I feel like I will never get promoted. As dramatic as it sounds today, this is exactly how I had felt back in 2020 when I wrote this in my diary. I was really close to getting a big promotion, and just weeks before this was about to happen, everything changed with a reorg. What followed for me was an excruciatingly frustrating period when none of the leaders could tell me what was next for me. Some gave me more feedback to work on. Some tried to point out the silver lining in not getting promoted. Now, this was something that was really important to me. I had really wanted it. I had worked very hard on it. And I feel like I will never get promoted pretty accurately describes the pessimism I felt during those months. I felt like I had failed, like I had no control over my career. It was one of the lowest points in my career. It was actually my career coach who helped me pivot. She convinced me that I need to look for other opportunities. And so I did. By the time I got promoted, I was over it. I had found a better opportunity and was ready to move on. Now, this is not an uncommon scenario. Some of you have probably gone through something similar in your career. And if you haven't, there is a good chance you will. In fact, someone close to me is going through something very similar right now. And I hear the same pessimism and anger in her voice when she talks about it. I do my best to reassure her that she will find her way out. So whether you have gone through this experience or not, this episode is for you. Today's guest, Lorraine McKinnon, talks about her road to getting promoted to the top level in her company and what she had to do to work around naysayers and biases. Hi there. You are listening to Unseen Battles, a podcast that brings you behind-the-scenes stories from women leaders. This is your reminder that as you work through your career struggles, you are not alone. I'm your host, Parul Goyal. Every two weeks, I'll bring you raw, honest conversations with a successful leader about a challenge they faced and how it changed them. So, let's get to it. Lorraine has spent her career working on hard-to-solve problems. From helping millions of Americans save billions of dollars for a more dignified retirement to helping companies prevent bias, discrimination, and harassment. She focuses on the employee experience and uses a strategic mix of behavioral science, big data, and practical implementation to drive change. Lorraine is a talent and culture strategist, the president of a women's leadership nonprofit, and the founder of a talent incubator. In 2018, she was named a woman of influence in Silicon Valley. Lorraine, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, You are going to tell us a story about how for you getting promoted took some persistence and some work on your side. So can you tell us what happened? Absolutely. Uh, First of all, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I love how you're helping to share these uh, battles that we all have and normalize the fact that um, for, for people and for women in particular, sometimes it takes extra effort. And that was certainly true through my promotion process. Uh-huh. Uh, 
for context, I had been with my organization for a number of years and had established quite a lot of expertise. Uh, I was in an organization that uh, purported to be a meritocracy. And so I had a lot of trust in the process. Um, At one point, I had reached out to my manager to sort of kick off this discussion about promotion to the to the most senior level. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had said, Hey, I know that the promotion process is coming up in terms of the time of the year. And I'd love to have a conversation with you. And he said, well, we don't really have conversations about that. Uh, I haven't decided if I'm going to put you up this year for promotion. Uh, and even if I, if I do decide to, I, I probably wouldn't tell you. Um, and I was, I was really taken aback by that. Um, both because I had thought that we had a more uh, sort of collaborative relationship, me and my manager, um, but also because our HR team had put extensive information on our internal website around promotions with the expectation that employees and their managers would be having these types of conversations. And that it was really part of a manager's role to have these career development conversations with their people. Uh, Lorraine, I have two questions. Uh, what at this point when you you were having this conversation with your manager, uh, were you were you mid career? Were you early career? How how many years of experience did you have? I'm just curious. Oh yeah, I was uh, quite senior in I my okay. role and in my career. I had many years of tenure and was looking to to get to the the next and highest level within the organization. So you could consider it like a VP. Uh, equivalent for most organizations. Oh, that's awesome. And was this the first conversation about promotion with your manager you were having? It was. Yeah, it was my kickoff conversation. Yeah. This attitude that you got from him, which is basically, actually, it's between me and the company, not so much between me and you, took, took you by surprise. It did, because it's the exact opposite of what HR was teaching managers in terms of, you know, how they wanted uh, managers to be guiding career development and have an open and transparent process. Okay. Okay. So yeah, that, then what happened? So I, uh, maybe in a little bit of a sassy way, I cut and paste all of uh-huh. the images from our website, our HR website, and sent them to the manager uh-huh. and said, uh, could we try this again? Because clearly there's an expectation that we are having this conversation, and it's a conversation I'd like to have. Wow, good uh, for you. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Um, I think, you know, in, in reflection, there was the way that people always did things, which was a little bit unstructured, which mm-hmm. were side conversations. And then there was an HR team that was trying to implement good processes, mm. uh, good decision-making processes to ensure that there was more of a meritocracy and that bias wasn't a factor in something like the promotion process. Mm-hmm. So I think I, in some ways I chalked this up to a manager who just didn't understand the benefits of the new process and felt a little bit constrained by you know, having to follow a process and talk to everyone and be open and transparent when he was, he was not used to that. Wow. You know, so I have had managers who who don't really like, who really, who believe in not telling the employee that they are being put up for promotion. But the concern really is that they don't know the outcome. It could go either way. So it's more from a managing expectations perspective. But I have never heard a manager like discourage this conversation with the employee or just let it, the employee expressing interest in getting promoted. So yeah, this, this definitely stands out. Um, yeah. And as I came to learn 
uh, it was a multi-year process for me. And as I came to learn, there okay. were a lot of people in mm. his mind who were ahead of me in the process. I see. Okay. So part of it was just around, look, I got to get these other people promoted and then I can get to you. Um, but I wasn't really going to let the organization um, take those reins. I wanted to take those yeah. reins because I had done some exceptional things on behalf of my clients and thought that it was time to be recognized for it. So a little bit of it is, is you um, as the as the person to be promoted saying, hey, I want to make sure that you understand everything that I've mm -hmm. done and that you're, you're uh, making the assessment fairly. So how did you find out that this is what he had in his mind, that there were other people ahead of you? Well, in subsequent years, uh, the you know we would have a conversation each year, and each year I would be given you know some level of feedback. I think that's something for people to know too. When you're when you're in this promotion process, you get a ton of feedback, mm -hmm. um, and you need to look at that really carefully. Both because there are always things that you can change and improve about yourself, but also because there's quite a lot of bias uh, for women, in particular for women of color, stereotypical biases, confirmation biases, etc. That that, that might devalue your um, promotability in an unfair way. And so I uh, each subsequent year that the promotion process happened and the promotions came out, uh, there were people in my broader group who got promoted. And so I could kind of see in retrospect that they were on the list ahead of me, uh, which, which I think is, you know, any organization is not looking to promote, you know, they don't want 50% of their organization to be in senior leadership. There's sort of a quota system. There's, um, you know, some assumption around how many people at each title. There's certainly on the performance management component, you know, there is a bit of a bell curve, um, uh, you know, and they will actually just do quadrants to say, mm -hmm. you know, who's, who's most promotable and, and who still needs work. So this is all a system, an HR system that's mm -hmm. logical from the employer's perspective, but not always from the employee's perspective. So, Lorraine, I am curious. You had this conversation. You, you initiated the conversation. He said no. You, he, he, you, you sent him the HR material. After that, was he more open to having these conversations with you? Like at least hearing your perspective? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, for sure, um, both his own willingness and also the organization was really stepping up okay. the work that they were doing in terms of um, recognizing a pattern and trying to solve for the pattern of promoting the women in the organization. So there were a lot of initiatives that were happening around diversity and inclusion, getting high-performing, high-potential women sponsorship within the organization. Mm -hmm. And I was in a lot of those programs, and uh, the company made a big investment in me. And so not only was he more open to it as mm -hmm. he got to know my talents better as he spent time with me and my clients. And as I was going through these programs and getting a lot of recognition from others in the organization, um, it was starting to form in his mind that I was a good, strong candidate for promotion. And towards the last couple of years, he mm -hmm. himself was starting to get frustrated um, about uh, the, the promoted, about um, having a hard time, uh, sort of putting me forward where uh, others were sort of knocking me down. So I he was see. trying to become my advocate and that was even hard for him. 
Wow. So, well, like, congratulations. You did make it on the list then. I did, and, yes. And that's like, so he did turn it around. He became an advocate for you, but then he was having a hard time converting others. Yeah, I would say, I would say that in some ways, uh, my persistence and my, um, external credentialing and the internal credentialing that I had grown through, you know, I had multiple additional years of experience and expertise that I had built great feedback from clients. Um, I was doing more in the industry. And so after a while, it was sort of undeniable that I was doing work at that level. Mm -hmm. Um, but even so there are people, you know, stacked ahead of you sometimes. Uh, and it's, it's a it's a challenge to make sure that you're getting that spot. So, Lorraine, it sounds like this took. So, you brought up the subject. After that, it took a few years for you for the promotion to actually happen. It did. How did you manage your own emotions in that time? Like, were you ever frustrated? Did you think of leaving, or you kind of saw that okay, maybe maybe that it it will take a. Few, or you were okay with it taking a few years for you to get promoted. Uh, I was incredibly frustrated, but for context, I had been at the company for a long time. I considered myself to be part of why the company was so successful. And I really kind of set a goal to not leave until I got promoted. promoted. Okay, uh, But also I had looked at other organizations mm. and considered leaving for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for what I was doing at the time, I didn't find anything that I thought was better. I didn't, I thought it was its okay. sort of best company to do what I was doing at that particular time and almost felt like leaving would have been a defeat. Uh, I, I was, I was going to stay until I got the promotion. And then uh, I ask you this because somebody very close to me in my circle is going through this where she brought up getting promoted to her manager, uh, like not the first time, multiple times. And then she continues to get more feedback. Like, so in your case, when you were being given feedback, how did you go through it to say, okay, these are the things that I think are objective. There might be a little bit biased on these other things. Yeah, so I have the benefit of having a women's studies degree. Uh, so I really recognized where the language was biased or the assumptions were biased. I had read some fantastic research that was uh, sort of helping uh, illuminate some of the issues that uh, high-performing women have. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is called the the double bind, damned if you do, doomed if you don't. It was research that came out of Catalyst a number of years ago that's still totally relevant. Okay. And it was this concept that you could be likable or you could be an expert, but you couldn't be both. Uh, and yeah. so I was recognized for a lot of my expertise, but I wasn't seen as being likable. I would get some of those stereotypical um, items of feedback, you know, people would say if, if I, I would like send friends out to be like, Hey, go talk to so-and-so and see uh-huh. if they think about, you know, my potential for promotion. <laughs> and the feedback they'd get was like, well, you know, she, we haven't seen her anywhere. Like she hasn't yeah. been around. And what he meant by that was I wasn't out in the bar drinking yeah. <laughs> with the, you know, the group, um, oftentimes because I was traveling and in client offices quite a lot. So there was this sort of perception that I wasn't yeah. around and I didn't have the visibility that I needed, um, which is again, some of that, the double standards of what are you being promoted for? Is it for the quality of your work or is it for your uh, sort of social relationships within the mm. organization? Social relationships are important, but they, but 
some firms overvalue the social relationships yeah. internally and undervalue the actual quality of work. And so I was really struggling with that. And I think many women do. Yeah, that really resonates. Um, whether I mean, whether you because I got that feedback once that nobody knows you. Um, and then so I set up time with so I was I was pretty junior at the time. I was early career. So then I was like, you know what, I'm going to make sure the VP knows me. So I set up time with the VP who was like five levels above me. And the VP was really baffled. <laughs> and I think I told him that I said, well, and the feedback I got was that nobody knows me. So I right. thought I will start with you. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so did you work on this feedback? The visibility aspect, the social aspect? Yeah, I did. I took every piece of feedback to heart, even when I thought it was really biased, because that's the perception. And so, you know, I think it's another thing that I coach people on all the time is, you know, it may not be you, it might be them, but you still have to work with them. You may have roadblocks that are coming from bias, but you still have to get around the roadblocks. That is so powerful, Lorraine, that it might be them, but you still have to work with them. Um, so after this experience, you know, you really worked on it for two years. You got promoted. More uh, than two. <laughs> more than, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah. it was longer than two years. Okay. Yep. So you worked on it for a few years. You got promoted. After this experience, you know, in your other jobs, uh, did you change how you, how you, um, uh, approach these conversations? Like, did you, how, like, did, what did you learn from this experience? Oh my gosh, I learned so much. Um, I learned about um, being visible mm -hmm. uh, and I learned about collecting feedback from sources that, um, from sort of unique sources. Okay. So one of the things that I did when I was in the promotion process and getting really frustrated, I made a PowerPoint presentation about myself. Wow. Okay. I, I went and I asked clients directly for their feedback. Uh, I said, you know, what, what am I doing well? What could I be doing better? You know, how am I, you know, are there examples that you have of why our partnership is strong? Mm -hmm. uh, and so I put that in the PowerPoint presentation. I also decided that I would go out and do much more in the industry and set myself up in a way that I could um, do build my expertise and then go out and speak on it. Nice. And so okay. I became a speaker and I was able to do a little bit of social media around that, which was external credentialing and those sorts of things. Plus working with academics in the industry were helpful. But then I have to say also um, as part of the sponsorship program that we had for high potential, high performing women mm -hmm. it was structurally um, built that I, you know, got to, I got an executive sponsor who sits on the executive committee and I had another uh, sort of mentor who was sat in a different group who was very senior. Mm -hmm. And both of them had such overwhelmingly positive feedback for me, for what I did, for what I knew about the industry, for how well I knew my clients um, that that was, and but they they weren't in the sort of context of my group and my department and the right. politics, but they were so. I'm so grateful. I just remember the first time I met my executive sponsor, who sat on the executive committee, and he was just. He said, "I learned something. You know, I learned something mm -hmm. from you that I didn't know. I see your passion for the business. I think you're right on track." I mean, to have somebody say something like yeah. that at the executive level was exceptional. So part of it was also 
just recognizing that some of the feedback that I was getting was biased and was political, um, but that I could, you know, show up in a way with executives um, that was really positive. Yes, it validated your efforts, right? It It did. Yeah. So you mentioned three things. Number one is being good at your job. Uh, Number two is creating a brand outside. So I think you call it external credentialing. Yep. Right. And the third one is having sponsors. And some of it, like you said, was structurally through your organization, but then you also had advocates because of the great work you had done. That's right. The second one, um, Lorraine, like, uh, you know, being a building a brand in the industry. How did did that help? Absolutely. Uh, And I um, now teach um, some of these skills that I learned in a Mm -hmm. talent incubator primarily for women, but it's around being able to identify your kind of superpowers, the things Mm -hmm. that you're really good at, how and why you see things differently than others, Mm -hmm. and and building the language around who you are and what you do well, and also having a really good sense of where you want to go and gaining the skills for that next level of career progression and understanding how to uh, describe your talents in a way that makes that next level really attainable. And so some people would call it a personal brand statement. um, But the way that I, you know, had my LinkedIn summary, the way that I was describing my prior roles on LinkedIn and the skills and experience that I gained that would help me get to the next level uh, were all really impactful for me. And then, you know, getting out on the conference speaking circuit, really crafting my biography and, you know, all those publications that go out, um, having people introduce me in a certain way, all of that really helped with external credentialing. And when you go and you build your personal brand externally, it comes back internally. So if I was out speaking and one of our, I happened to be out speaking one time, one of our largest clients with whom I didn't work asked if I could come in, asked their client relationship person, hey, Lorraine is the most passionate person we've seen on this topic. We would like to have her come in. And so that's, you know, that's great. It's just such a strong signal to the organization. And it was because I had done uh, all that, all that work on my profile and being able to be out uh, speaking. Well, you put in a lot of work, Lorraine. Oh my gosh, yeah. But but women have to. Like women, people of color, um, you know, when when you were taking the three takeaways, you know, being good at your job, well, that's just table stakes. And for anyone who suffers from, uh, you know, the the bias, you have to be more prepared. You have, you have to prove yourself over and over again. If you get a new manager, you've got to prove yourself to the new manager each time. Um, you have to, um, be the expert, see where things are going, ask for opportunities. Like there's just a lot that, um, you have to do to, to, uh, be seen as performing equally with others. And there's plenty of research out there that, yeah. that shows this. And so it's just, you know, if, if you want to get to the next level, understanding what the blockers are, how to get around them, and then some really practical things you can do, um, is, is how you'll make it happen. So one thing I feel like you did really well is you recognized the limitations of the system, right? But instead of just saying, oh, well, you know, it's not going to work because, you know, the system is against me, you found a way to work within the system and make that work for you. 
right? So the system is not perfect, but recognizing you still have to succeed within that system. Yeah. And the systems get better. I think in many companies, there's a lot of work being done on, you know, making sure that people understand bias, making sure that there are fair processes. Um, So there's a lot of good things have happened over the last several years, but it always comes down to the people you work with, uh, how they, you know, what, what's their motivation Um, What are they trying to accomplish in their own political circle? Uh, What are their needs? I I often say when, you know, somebody's being um, interviewed and hired, the the hiring manager is really making the decision based upon what their manager's manager is going to think. Did they pick the right person? And they don't necessarily want to take a risk on that person. And I think that's true in terms of promotion as well. Um, Now we've got more, you know, oversight Mm -hmm. uh, to make sure that people who are historically underrepresented in senior roles are getting more of those senior roles, but there's still a bias and pattern matching. And so it really depends on the people who are in your ecosystem at the time you're getting promoted to how much you're going to suffer from bias and and pattern matching. That's true. Uh, Lorraine, one last question, and I think you have already covered a lot of this. Uh, but for you know, this, this is a very common problem, you know, where people feel like they're ready for promotion, but they get pushed back from their organizations. What advice would you have for them? I think there are a couple of things. Um, I think you have to be pretty introspective mm. to to judge whether you're ready or not. Part of this is understanding where the business is trying to go in the next several years, mm. what you bring that's unique. Um, It's not just doing your job well, especially when you get to the more senior levels. It's how do you help influence and drive the vision of the organization? Mm -hmm. How do you help it be successful in new ways? Um, Because doing your job the way you do it today is not what's expected of you when you get to the next level. Uh, So that's that's definitely a big factor. I think the other component is... um, you know, sometimes you're you're truly not ready. And if an organization yeah. has list of qualifications and you don't have those qualifications, um, in and it's being done in a fair way where no one is getting promoted if they don't have those qualifications, yeah. uh, then you go and you do the work to get those qualifications. The problem is when some people don't have to meet all those qualifications yep. and get promoted, and that's when I would look for transparency. And HR teams are are very quick to say, hey, you know, we don't want to compare you to so-and-so, but if you're seeing a pattern within your organization, um, you should bring that to their attention. Not only that you see a pattern, but make sure they know that you see the pattern. You know, you want them to to recognize yeah. the pattern and say, uh, this appears to be a pattern. It appears to be a problem. Uh, and I want you to reconsider my candidacy based upon this, this you know, within this system. Yeah. 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 Um, Lorraine, I know you also have, you have authored a workbook to help professionals boost their careers, right? Which fits in right with that topic. Uh, can you tell us more about it? Yes, happy to. Thank you. Uh, so from all the work that I've done coaching a number of different people at this mid-career level, mm-hmm. I started to understand the power of putting down your career goals in writing. Mm-hmm. And if it's a big goal, or even if it's a you know moderate-sized goal, 
breaking it down into steps and being okay. introspective. So let's see your, say your career goal is maybe it is to get that promotion. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what, what does that look like? What steps would you need to take? What people would you need to meet who might be influential in that process? What skills do you need to have and have you, uh, and, and are you going to go get those skills? How are you going to get them? Um, if it is something like, you know, wanting to, um, you know, manage a team and you don't really understand what some portions of that, of that overall department do, you know, going mm-hmm. and spending time with people um, so that you can get better better oversight and understanding. So the career workbook is meant to help you do a very big career visioning activity, Mm -hmm. then to lay out five different career goals and then break those into steps. uh, And then uh, kind of give yourself a to-do list. And whenever you have a very big goal, breaking it down into small steps helps it become more attainable. Yep. I see. So it's figuring out what your goal is and then uh, coming up with a plan to achieve those goals. Both strategy and tactics. Tactics. Uh, And the other thing I put in there was Uh the exercise to build your personal brand statement, um, which, you know, when you're, when you're going to meet people because you need to know these people to achieve this goal, uh, mm-hmm. you want to be able to tell them who you are yeah. and, and a little bit more about you. And, you know, whenever you meet somebody new, if they're not directly in your organization, they're going to go to your LinkedIn profile yeah. to look you up. So if you're trying to get, you know, mentorship from people in your industry that you don't know that well, um, you can bet that they're going to go look at your LinkedIn. So have Absolutely. that prepared and ready to go. And, and building your personal brand statement is a way to do that. I can't wait to check out the workbook. It's called the Career Workbook? It's called the Career Boost Workbook. Yeah. The Career Boost Workbook, and it's available on Amazon? That's right. Nice. All right. Uh, Also, I know this because I have been a part of it, Lorraine. You have a Bay Area-based community for women to help them accelerate their leadership journey. It's called the Club. Can you tell us a little bit more about that as well? Absolutely. Yes. So the club is uh, an organization that helps women accelerate their careers, and it stands for Connect, Lead, Unite, and Build. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's also a little play on the old boys club. We are the the women's club, right? (laughs) Um, And we have events and programs uh, alongside mentorship circles that help people connect with others. Um, oftentimes, as women get more senior in their organizations, they are working predominantly with men. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they're getting this feedback, uh, they're experiencing bias. And so it's a supportive community that helps normalize being ambitious, being strong, yeah. being aggressive, um, all those things that we might get feedback on elsewhere. Uh, and also, it's cross industry, it's cross age, it's cross diverse, a huge number of, of different backgrounds, ethnicities, all of the above. And so we're sharing information and ideas. So we have IP lawyers and rocket scientists. We have people who have been at their career for 35 years and people who have started within the last five. Uh, and it's just, a, and we've got artists and, um, you know, people, we've got a comedian and then we've got people oh, wow. at Google, Apple, Facebook slash Meta, um, PayPal, right? All sorts of uh-huh. different organizations. And it's just this kind of um, thought leadership pot of cool people who are always going to support you in your leadership journey. 
And I know of multiple women who have been part of the club and just love the community. Uh, so I can attest to that as well. Uh, Lorraine, if our audiences want to know more about you, how can they find you? Uh, yes, uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, so okay. Lorraine McKinnon, uh, and my name is L-A-R-A-I-N-E, which makes it pretty easy to find me because it's a unique spelling. Uh, and people can message me there. Um, and then I can also, um, happy to, to share some additional contact information, like the website uh, that I have for my consulting company. Sure. And I will make sure I include these details in the episode notes. Super. Lorraine, thank you so much for sharing your unseen battle with us. Thank you. And thank you for normalizing the fact that it can be a battle and for having people share their authentic stories. Um, you know, hopefully people hear it, they get inspired by others, and they get reinvigorated to take their next step. I hope so too. Thank you, Lorraine. Thank you. If you liked the episode, please leave a review and help others discover it.